What a perfect song to end on, huh? You know, I was thinking, Ken asked me to introduce our speaker tonight, and I was just thinking about God's sweet providence and that nothing surprises him. You know, Ken and Kelly were a little surprised. Everybody's a little surprised. God wasn't surprised. And in fact, God had a plan because he knew that Ken was going to need to be elsewhere tonight. And we just so happened we had a speaker coming in for Man Up on Saturday who was going to fly in today so he could do some study time at a local library. And so he's here tonight for us, and he can stand in for, for Ken. So what a blessing that is. Um, our speaker tonight is a very good friend of Ken's, actually. They go way, way back, all the way to the Word of Life Bible Institute, where they attended together. And then they went to Master Seminary together. So he's also a Master Seminary graduate. Uh, he's been married to his wife, Kim, for 25 years. They have four children, ages 4 to 17. Phil's the teaching pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in New Jersey. No booze, okay? No booze. New Jersey's a good state. Uh, where he served for 20 years as the, uh, the senior pastor. Uh, Phil has a passion for teaching the word and also for biblical counseling, I'm told. So Fred Sabins, I know, is looking to corner him for about an hour. And so, uh, Phil, we just want to thank you for being here tonight. Uh, we love our pastor dearly. He's such a faithful shepherd to us and loves the flock and cares for the flock so much. And uh, it's a blessing for us to have you here tonight to stand for, in for him. So thank you. I'm probably the only one that goes back that far. So what that means is I probably have a story or two that I'll be willing to sell for the right price, okay? <laughs> um, and this little known fact about New Jersey for you, and now that I'm in Texas, I can actually tell this. Did you realize that within about 15 minutes of where we live in New Jersey is the longest standing rodeo that takes place in America? In, in, this is an appropriate name for it. It's called Cowtown, New Jersey. Okay. And it's about 15 minutes from where we live. And up until about 15 years ago, you could go there and ride a bull if you just wanted to crawl on, it, on the back of a bull. Okay. And then enough attorneys moved into New Jersey that that did not become uh, the way to do it anymore. But up until then, you could still do that. So that's, uh, there's parts of New Jersey that have a different feel, have more of a Texas feel than, uh, than what you may be familiar with. Well, we are going to look at a really important topic tonight that typically sometimes is seen as a little mystical, and hopefully by the end of the evening you're going to see kind of a practical way in which you can do it. So take your Bibles and go with me to Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, and we are going to talk about um, this phrase, walking in the Spirit. So Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 16. And I'm going to jump from the beginning of that passage uh, to the end of it. And then we're going to come back and kind of work through the middle of it in a little bit. But I want to point out to you two elements about walking in the Spirit, okay? And the, actually four elements. And they are tied to this, uh, to this phrase, walk in the Spirit, which then moves to being led by the Spirit, which at the end of the chapter says live by the Spirit, and then adds also walk by the Spirit, or some translations render it keep in step with the Spirit. So th let me just show you how that fits in the passage, okay? So we're in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, and this is what we read. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Here's your next phrase. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now look with me at verse 25. 
So you notice these two verbs, right? Walk by the Spirit, followed by led by the Spirit. Look at verse 24 and 25, and this is what we read. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So the reason I like to render that last one, keep in step with, is, is even though the English Standard Version, and maybe your translation as well, uses the English word walk, it's actually two different Greek words. What all four verbs have in common is this, that they're in the present tense. And so I'm sure Ken has explained this process to you. That means that it's a regular, continuous action. Okay? And I like to kind of remember the present tense in the Greek with this word, daily. Okay? So in other words, past is past, future is future, but present is daily. So that means that when you see the phrase, walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, all of those are going to be in the present tense. So we're going to say these are the four ideas that we've got to look at. And we're going to add one word that they all have in common, and that's this word daily. Okay? So whatever these words mean, however they're lived out, you can't say, well, I did that once, okay? or I did that when I was 15. You've got to understand that these are words that you've got to do daily. So, and in some cases, you've got to do them more than daily. You're going to have to do them almost minute by minute. Okay, so here we go. The first one I want to point out is when it says walk by the Spirit, I think that's referencing the fact that we would have a daily habit. Okay? That the way that we move towards the Spirit becomes, in our lives, almost something that becomes like a habit. And I'm going to reference that, if I can, with a, a statement by MacArthur. He says, the fact that walk is used here in the present tense indicates that Paul is speaking of continuous, regular action. In other words, an habitual way of life. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you uh, drove, you were the one who drove the car here tonight? Okay, that's great. Okay, hands down. So how many of you actually got in the car and you had this thought, I've got to put the key in the ignition, then I've got to check the rear view mirrors, then I've got to adjust the seat, just like driver's education training. Did anybody do that tonight? Okay. Only one person did. That's great. Uh, okay. I was driving over here, all right, so um, I know that Texas drivers don't have anything on New Jersey drivers, okay? So, um, but some of you did that, but most of us don't do that. In fact, if I were to ask you, some of you would say, I'm not even real sure how I got to church tonight. I was thinking about other stuff, and I just pulled in, and there the car was in the parking lot, you know? Now, here's what you want to understand, okay? Here's what you want to understand is that things that are daily habits feel like they feel like to us that they, um, that they just happen without us thinking. But the truth of the matter is God has wired us in such a way that we actually can do things that we've always done, always done, always done, always done. And we do those even as it seems without thinking. This is really important when it comes to the moment you're going to see whether it comes to pursuing the deeds of the flesh or the fruit of the spirit because those things are learned as habits. By the way, that's why... Some of the sins that are listed there, you might have been struggling with for a long time, like fits of anger or idolatry or enmity or strife or jealousy, because those things have become habits. That's why it's a perfect word. Walk is a perfect word. Here's the cool part. When you begin to walk in or by the Spirit, that too becomes a habit. That's why you got to do it daily. So let's talk about that briefly. I'm going to talk about that word habit with three words, okay? Habitual thinking habitual wanting, and habitual uh, living, okay? Habitual thinking, habitual wanting, habitual living. So let me talk briefly about habitual thinking. You didn't really think how you got here tonight, but you did actually think. You just didn't realize you thought about how you got here tonight. Habitual thinking it works like this. You will move towards what you choose to think about, 
you will move towards what you choose to think about. The proverb says it this way, as a man thinks in his heart, what? So is he. That's right. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As he calculates in his mind, that's the direction he's going to be moving in. So as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Take your Bibles and go with me to Mark chapter 7. Let me show you this and how Jesus uses this phrase, okay? Mark chapter 7. And you're going to recognize the context. It's where he's kind of uh, being taken apart by the religious leaders because um, they, his, his disciples aren't eating a certain way and, so, and washing their hands a certain way. And Jesus walks into that conversation and actually explains it this way. Okay? This is what he says. Verse uh, 21. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man... Verse 21, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Um, by the way, he's using probably six or seven terms that, that Paul uses over in Galatians to describe the deeds of the flesh. But the one I want you to see is where he says, for within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts. Now, the word translated there for evil thoughts is actually the word that we get the word dialogue from. It's like two conversations that are going on in your head. And you're starting to think, should I do that? Should I not do that? Is anybody looking? I don't see anybody's looking. Maybe nobody's watching. Maybe I can do this. All that kind of conversation is going on in your head. But what I want you to understand is that the more you do that, that becomes, as it were, a walk. You're taking steps in that pattern. That habitual thinking is going to have to change. Look with me at Philippians 4.8, okay? Because I've included two passages for each, in each parenthesis. One is the way that we think evil thoughts, and one is the way that we're supposed to think proper thoughts. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Paul says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. By the way, he's given eight qualities there. So what I challenge people to do when they're struggling with their thinking is to just draw a stop sign, okay? And then put those words around each side of the stop sign, true, noble, of good report, excellent, praiseworthy, so that you come all the way around the stop sign. And so what you need to do in walking and changing your habitual thinking is saying, okay, stop, I've got to think these thoughts. I think within these parameters. But what you want to understand is that the thoughts that are stirring up in your heart, those are the evil thoughts. And you want to change that pattern of thinking. Not only habitual thinking, but we notice habitual wanting. You will increase desire as you choose to imagine it. Okay? You will increase desire as you choose to imagine it. Note this passage in James chapter 4 with me. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have. Watch how many times that phrase comes back. So you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have, there's the phrase again, because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive or do not have it because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So here's what you got in James chapter 4. You're wanting something, just read for me what's in the highlighted section, that you do not what? Have. You're wanting something that you do not have. By the way, just pause and think about this for a second. This was a pattern that Eve developed, right? 
that Achan, remember Achan in the, in the stories told in the book of Joshua, who stole uh, all that stuff that he developed? Because when you read um, Achan's confession, he says, I saw among the plunder, I wanted it, I took it, I hid it. That's always the sin pattern. I saw, I wanted it, I took it, I hid it. Achan saw something that he wasn't to have, see? But the more he wanted it, the more he decided to take it. By the way, um, this is a pattern. This kind of um, wanting pattern is a pattern that, that, that we all struggle with in some degree. When we, f- when we start to imagine the things we cannot have, we want those, and that desire gets inflamed. We suddenly want more and more and more, and before long, we begin to choose that. James 4 tells us that perspective. I, I don't know if you've... I, I noticed as I was pulling in here, you guys are along a lake, right? Am I guessing? Did I see that right? Okay. So you understand the, that... And when anybody buys a boat, they are immediately struck with something known as 10-foot fever. Are you familiar with that? Right. The moment they get their boat, they want one that is what? 10 feet longer, okay? That's right. They got their boat. They're pretty happy until the guy pulls up next to them and his boat is bigger, right? We always see something that we don't have and we want it. Here's what I want you to understand. What the scripture teaches is that the more you begin to imagine that kind of thing, the more you want it, the more you all of a sudden... Um, you, you just want it, right? And that desire gets inflamed. Here's the other thing you got to know, is that when you desire things like that, because that's the beginning of idolatry, God's not going to give you that, right? Because you think you're going to be satisfied with it. A number of years ago, um, my uh, brother-in-law, um, who uh, I was, back in Indiana, I was driving his truck, and he said, you know, I think I'm about ready to get rid of it. He had this really nice Ford F-150, and, and I liked it, you know? So I said... Hey, Mark, you know, if, if you're looking to get rid of it, you know, maybe, maybe you can send it my way and I'll see what I could pull together to pay you for it because it was a really nice truck, okay? And so uh, Mark called me a few weeks later and he said, you know, I got a problem. Uh, by the way, I got to tell you, so, so I leave Indiana, I'm driving back to New Jersey in my little Buick Skylark, okay? But it's not a problem because I'm imagining, okay, that it's a Ford F-150, all the way. I'm just imagining. It even kind of is driving like a truck. I mean, it's even though it's just a tiny little Buick Skylark. Okay. So here I am driving back to New Jersey all the way back. So I get back. I call Mark and I said, hey, Mark, uh, you, you know, what do you think about the idea of the truck? He said, well, I know I got to get rid of it. He said, but the problem is, he said, my other brother-in-law wants it. Okay. So here I am. I figure, you know, I've already imagined this. God really wants me to have this, right? It's as good as mine. So I give him this offer. I say, here's what you ought to do. I don't have a lot of money, so, uh, you know, offer it to your other brother-in-law, and, and, you know, if he wants to get it and he wants to pay you what it's worth, that's fine, and if not, then I'll, I'll pay you what I don't have, okay? And I, I just figured, my brother-in-law loves me, you know, so he's going to say, uh, he's a poor pastor, I'll send him the F-150. So he calls me back a few days later. He said, hey, 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 I wanted to call Phil. This is Mark, I wanted to call you. Yeah, 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 what's up? He said, uh, um, well, uh, my other brother-in-law gave me an offer and I took it. Okay. And I remember thinking, that's my truck. Okay. <laughs> you can't do that with my truck, right? I didn't say that, of course, but, you know, but I remember thinking that. Why? Because I had imagined, 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 until that desire is so inflamed that you and I think we should have that. Okay. Here's what you got to understand. God's not going to let you have that. Okay. God's going to sell the truck to the other brother-in-law. Why? Because he understands that you are now pursuing what John Calvin said was, was this idle factory in your heart. You're going to keep cranking up desires. The more you engage those desires, the less they're satisfied. But notice this. Paul also imagined something. 
Paul didn't imagine a Ford F-150 that he thought he could have. This is what he says, Philippians 3.13, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to see this. Paul is looking for something that he does not yet have. That is why God created us with desires. That we would desire heaven, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, and we keep pulling those desires back to things that are temporal. God is looking for us to give our hearts to something that we presently do not have. And he's more than willing to give us that. That's different than the coveting we tend to do. One final one, habitual living. You will keep doing what you keep choosing to think about and desire. So people tell me, I've been struggling with this particular sin for a very long time. And my answer to them is not the latest fix-it mechanism, but simply to say this. It's because you're first thinking about it and because you're feeding the desire. That's why you can't seem to get victory over it. You're thinking about it and you're desiring it. And as long as you keep doing that, you're going to be in a pattern of habitual living. Now watch, imagine if you and I turned the corner on this and we begin to, as opposed to desire certain things, we begin to desire something else. And we got there because we were thinking about those elements as opposed to what we were thinking about previously. That is the process of walking in the Spirit. And that's the process that begins to bring about change. And I'm going to show you that tonight. So go back with me to Galatians 5. Okay? Galatians chapter 5. And in verse 16 through 18, we see a list of what we call the deeds of the flesh. Okay? Um, probably some of your sins are in there. I know that some of my sins are in that list. So let me just read them to you and I'll explain them to you briefly. Okay? Here's how it works. Galatians 5, uh, verse, uh, I'll pick up the reading at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Okay? Sexual immorality, that's the Greek word pornonia. It's the word that we get pornography from. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry. That's that idea of desiring something that we think will bring satisfaction or fulfillment. Sorcery, that's the Greek word pharmacia, right? You hear in the word pharmacia what? Pharmaceuticals. That is the use of, you can almost just drop in there as an application, the use of, 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 of um, illegal drugs or, or, or an overuse of even the drugs that your doctor may prescribe to you. The picture is this, that you are desiring and giving yourself to that. Fifteen years ago, I sat in a Dunkin' Donuts with a young man who, who um, had given himself to a drug habit, and I remember thinking, um, you know, I, I got a place for him to go away, I got a Christian counselor he can meet with there, the whole process. The moment I sit down with him, he says to me, um, if you're going to tell me I should go to Keswick, I'm not going. I said, why aren't you going? He said, because I can beat this on my own. Now, here's just a clue. Anytime somebody says they can beat something on their own, right, that's not dependent spirit living. Okay? So I remember saying to him, uh, you know, honestly, you're going to continue to struggle. Uh, a month and a half ago, I had not seen him. He just kind of dropped off the map to me for the last 10 or, 20, 10 or 15 years. I haven't seen him. A month and a half ago, his wife calls me and I do his funeral. 15 years of giving himself to the things he couldn't seem to break the habit of. Now, I just want to work, rework this again. You can take any habit, you can drop it in this list. If he was thinking about it and desiring it and feeding those desires and those thoughts, he does not have the power to stand against it and live against it. Are you with me? Why? Because the thinking leads to the 
Desiring leads to the living. Look at the rest of this list. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ah, but, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now let, let's just talk about that and I'm going to illustrate that, okay? So I'm going to have this, rec- I'm going to say that this is going to be the fruit of the Spirit, okay? So this is where, uh, if you, this is what you want to think about, this is what you want to desire, okay? There's some grapes in here. I don't think any of it's plastic. They purchased it for me, so I think it'll work, okay? This is the fruit of the Spirit. Here you stand, right? Okay, I need a volunteer. Somebody who's willing to volunteer for me. Just pop a hand up. Where are you? I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. I'm not going to ask you a question. Okay, come on, come on, come on. Okay. Okay. And your name is? Pardon me? Julie. Come here, Julie. Okay, now just stand right there for me. Okay. So uh, this is, uh, Julie's going to represent every person in here. Okay. So that's right. You're going to represent every person in here. Now, this is the fruit of the Spirit. That looks pretty nice, right? We probably want to eat from there. I'm going to have this represent, okay, the deeds of the flesh, okay? okay. The guy sitting in the front row. Is that your husband? Okay, and what's his name? Curtis. Curtis. Now, if Curtis was going to treat you to dinner, would you prefer he go there or here? Okay. That's what I figured, okay? So this is, this is what I want you to see is that no one wants to, wants to come to the garbage can. Okay? Now, stop before Julie helps me out with this. I've got to explain something. The problem is that when you're thinking about it and desiring it, this doesn't look like a garbage can. In fact, it only looks like a garbage can when you're a long distance away, like from the potential sin and temptation. When you're out there, it looks like a garbage can. There's one other place that looks like a garbage can. Okay? After you've chosen to do what you've done and you've succumbed to the temptation, then it looks like a garbage can. And that's why you sit on the backside of this and you say, man, I said I'd never look at the internet like that again. Or I did not want to lose my temper with my kids again. How did I end up here again? Because at some point out there, this thing morphs and it doesn't look like a garbage can. What you've got to do is you've got to take steps by faith either that way or this way. So here we go, Julie. We're going to get it started here, okay? So the red steps are going to take you that way, all right? Now, I just want to see, I want you to see how easy this is. So in this one, just stand right there and you're just going to take a step. Okay, there, 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 there. Okay, so you see it? Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Try to, yeah, just, this is what it looks like to walk in the flesh. She's walking towards the garbage can, okay? You see it? Just like you and I do. We're walking towards that garbage can. Why? Because we're thinking about it and desiring it. This is what it looks like to walk in the spirit. Here you go, come on, come on back real quick, Julie, right here. Okay, so you're going to do the same thing. But this time you're going to come to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control against such things. There is no law. So just go ahead. Go ahead. You say, Phil, that looks so easy. Okay. You know why? Because that part of the process is easy. Okay. Julie, come back here for me right here. Okay. This is the part of the process that isn't right here. Okay. Once I start taking steps, I'm just going to take steps. But right here is where I've got to wrestle with it. Okay? And this is the moment where you're led by the Spirit. Okay? This is the walk of the Spirit. I'm going to just take these steps. I'm going to walk that way. 
when we're led by the Spirit, so that's great, Julie, you, you, you did great. You can step down, okay? I promised I wouldn't embarrass you. I want you to see somebody walking. The Holy Spirit is saying, come this way, come this way. You're taking the steps towards love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness. Over here, you're taking the steps towards your fits of anger, towards sexual immorality, uh, towards pharmacia, towards whatever you want to put in the wastebasket. That's what you're taking your steps towards. So let's talk about what it means to be led by the Spirit. And when we're led by the Spirit, we're going to say that this is a daily decision. You know where this phrase is used, led by the Spirit? It's used of Jesus. After he was baptized, Luke records that Jesus was filled, by the, filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So Jesus is sitting there after his baptism, and he's going to make a choice. He's going to make a choice to be led by the Spirit. This is a daily, just because that same, same present tense, it's a daily idea. It's going to be a decision that you make. Here's what I want you to see. It's not, it's not like... It's not like you have to think in terms of out there. You just got to think in terms of here. Step here, step here, step here. And I'm going to apply that for you in a second. Let me give you one more. Daily dependence, okay? Remember, it's not only led by the Spirit, but it's also this idea that we would seek uh, daily dependence. Why? Because verse 25 said that those who live by the Spirit. Now, let's just talk about life, physical life, before we talk about spiritual life for a second. Um, give me... Several things that you have to have. You absolutely have to have these to live, okay? First one, water, okay? Second one, oxygen, that's right, okay? Third one, food, okay? That's basically it, okay? You have to have some other things too, but you don't have to have a lot of the stuff you think you have. But you, you have to have those three things. In fact, I kind of remember those three um, with, uh, with the threes, right? I can go without oxygen for three minutes before brain cells start to die. Now, you can test that when you go home tonight, but I wouldn't recommend it, okay? Okay, brain cells are going to start to die at three minutes. Sometimes you can stretch it out to six to ten minutes, okay, but then a lot of brain cells are dead, okay? And eventually, at ten minutes, there's no recovery, right? How about this? Um, without water, you can go three days. Now, if the temperature's right, it's a little cooler, you can stretch that out a little bit, but generally, it's three days. And then dehydration starts to set in in such a way that you're going to be in trouble. Without food, you can go three weeks. By the way, when you go without oxygen, um, just a side note for what it's worth, when you go without oxygen, your brain uses 20% of the oxygen to take in. Right? So here's what you've got to know, that that's why the brain is incredibly susceptible. Some of your other organs do pretty good, even without the same degree of oxygen, but your brains have got to have it. Right? So here's the thing. That's what, it that's what it takes to live. And that caused me to think, when the, when the scripture uses the word live by the Spirit, maybe it's saying I am supposed to be that dependent, right? Like, I can't live without the Spirit working. So when I'm standing here and I'm saying, okay, to the fruit of the Spirit or the deeds of the flesh, which decision am I going to make? I am absolutely dependent upon the Spirit to move in this direction. That's why when we say, I need to talk to this person. I'm going to deal with them. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. We're trying to do that on ourselves. We find that we're over here doing fits of anger again, right? Why? Because we, for one moment, were not so dependent upon the Holy Spirit that every step was by the Spirit. Let me give you a couple of ways that we live by the Spirit. I'm going to call it Word of God dependence and Christ in me dependence, okay? Word of God dependence because live by the Spirit, this is the idea that we're going to be totally dependent upon just like we are for oxygen, water, and food, on the Spirit. Word of God dependence. In difficult times, difficult times should drive us to the Word. Right? Difficult times should drive us to the Word. Here's what you want to do. Sometimes when the, sometime after the thing settles with Ken and Kelly um, and their son, just ask Ken, Ken, what verse, what verse ministered to you? 
while, while you were going through the difficulty. Okay? And because what happens in the difficult times, when we actually lean into the word, is that the scripture is like on fire. Right? We read a verse that we read before and we say, whoa, that verse, I, I never saw that verse before. Why? Because we are to be that dependent upon the word. Now, this is a really fascinating idea. Take your Bibles and go with me to, to Luke 4, first of all. Luke 4. And then I'm going to dive you back to Deuteronomy because I want you to see where Jesus quotes this from. Okay, okay Luke chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus is led by the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, verse 1. Uh, returned from the Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Satan tempts him in this way. He's been without food for 40 days, okay? And this is really hungry, by the way. <laughs> yeah. 40 days is really, really hungry. Certain things have started to happen now, okay? Um, there's probably sores that have broken out on his body from malnutrition. The, uh, the strong arms of the carpenter um, have been depleted, okay? In fact, we know this from the text because... At, at one stage, in fact, I think it's Luke's account that actually tells us that after the devil departed, um, no, it's, it's another gospel account that tells us that after Satan departed and after the temptation, angels came and ministered to him. Right? I call that angelic ER. Okay, That's the angelic emergency room. The angels came and had to feed him right? because he, he was physically so depleted that he couldn't feed himself. That, that's serious. That's the level of hunger that Jesus feels. Just imagine momentarily. Here he is hand on a stone, and he hears this voice that says something like this. Hey, if you are God, turn that stone into bread. Okay. Now, remember how I talked about imagination? <laughs> Jesus' imagination probably just fires off at this stage. The stone feels like bread. Okay? It's the size of bread. It feels like a loaf of bread. Maybe he can even for a moment just smell what was baking in his mother's oven. Okay? All of that's going on. What Jesus understands is that in our greatest moments of difficulty, where he is presently, We've got to be careful that we don't move towards something that doesn't look like a trash can but is a trash can. By the way, Jesus understood something else because of what he quoted. He understood that sometimes God actually lets us hunger, right? What? What? No, no. So we're Americans, okay? We're Westerners. When we're hungry, we just go eat, right? And when we don't have time, then we go eat at a fast food restaurant. We eat when we're hungry. I want you to see where Jesus quoted this from. Go back with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. And look with me at chapter 8. Because I'm of the opinion, it's just an opinion here. I can't define it from the word, but I'm of the opinion that Jesus was meditating upon this passage. Okay? And here's why. For this is what Moses writes to them in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you, and my next, my next phrase reads like this, and let you hunger. Right? What? God let them hunger? That's right. God let them hunger. And fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When you and I face a difficulty and we want relief from that difficulty, there we are, we're right here. 
We choose to go that way towards a deed in the flesh or we choose to go this way. But the point being is that when we are living by the Spirit, we are absolutely dependent upon the Word. We're saying, what, what Bible verse helps me get through this difficulty? Because I am like I'm breathing, drinking, and eating the Scripture. I must be that dependent on it. Or I'm going to find that my, my, my whole being floats back over in this direction again. Okay? There's another one, though. Go back with me to Galatians chapter 2. Let me show you this one. Remember, all we're doing is chasing that word live. If you live by the Spirit, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that's why we say there's a word of God dependence. But let me show you a Christ and me dependence. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, see, just hear the live again, right? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, that's not this kind of flesh, but that's his physical body. I live by what? You just caught in one word what you have to do here, okay? You have to make a decision by faith here, okay? Okay, I know that doesn't look like a trash can. I know that doesn't look like a trash can. It looks like something that would really satisfy me, but the Word of God dependent tells me it's a trash can, and so in my Christ and me dependence, I'm going to walk by faith. My personal growth will only happen as I dwell in Christ and live out His actions. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to take a step here, 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 now watch this. Here's the other side of this. I'm here. I got to take a step. I don't, well, maybe you've been here before, so it'll make sense. I have a, um, my kids are a little older than, than uh, Randy quoted. So I got a 20-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 7-year-old. God gave us a child in our 40s, you know. So we're the people who are going to be standing there when they, when, when they say to Asa, uh, did your grandparents bring you the little league? No, that's my dad. Okay, so there's your picture. Okay, but here's what I want you to see. So when I go home, at the end of the day, I'm thinking, peaceful day, I'm going to come home, wife's going to meet me at the door with a kiss. Okay. Hey, here's, what I, here's what I sometimes get. I open up the door, I walk in, and she'll say, the kids are upstairs, they're waiting on their discipline. Okay. Now, I'm walking up the stairs, okay? and I've been thinking, I was looking for a kiss, okay? and a warm dinner, and you know, that would have been, been cool. But instead, I've got to pull a referee jersey on, okay? and I've got to go up there and decide who was wrong and who was right and figure this thing out. So I'm taking my steps up the stairs, okay? Step, step, step. Now, when I think I'm going to be patient, I'm going to exercise patience, I'm looking out there, that requires me to be patient for 30 minutes, okay? I, I'm not going to be patient for 30 minutes. But by faith, I can be patient for 30 seconds, okay? You with me? So I'm going to take a step of faith. As I'm walking up the stairs, I'm going to say, okay... Okay, take a, take a deep breath. you got to be patient. By God's grace and strength, you can be patient. Dwell upon verses of patience, okay? Dwell upon verses of patience. Dwell upon verses of patience. Keep going, keep going, keep going. That's how you want to do that process. This decision is a decision by faith. Not all the way out there, but just the 30-second decision. By the way, the decision to not go over here is also a decision by faith, isn't it? Okay. By faith, I believe that's, that really is a trash can, even though it doesn't look like a trash can. It doesn't look like a trash can, but by faith, I know what the Word of God says. I'm not taking a step there by faith. I'm going to take a step here by faith, okay? That's why you're not going to, you're going to have to start taking these steps, being fully dependent upon God 
to move in that direction. You don't have your, enough strength in yourself to do those things. But by full dependence upon the Spirit of God and living by the Spirit, you can walk in that direction. That's how the process works. What I want you to see tonight is this. And when it comes to walking in the Spirit, you've simply got to take a step and a step and a step and a step by faith and a step by faith and a step by faith. And before long, someone will say to you, man, you are such a patient person. And you'll know, you'll know why you'll know that you did it, not by your own strength, but by the Spirit, by the way you answer it. Okay? Because if you say something like, yes, I am, okay? You weren't living by the Spirit, and pretty soon you're going to be back over there with fits of anger. But if you say something like, no, I'm not a patient person, okay? Uh, you can ask my kids, I'm not a patient person, but God was gracious and allowed me to be patient. Even the conversation shows you that you did it by the power of the Spirit, not by your own power, okay? One more, and then we're done. Let's just talk about this last one. Um, Keep in step with the Spirit. And this is daily attentiveness. Daily attentiveness. Now, I know, um, Julie's out this one because she already came up and volunteered. Okay, But I, I, I need some people who used to be in a marching band. Did anybody here ever, was anybody here in a marching band? Okay. Help me out. Say, don't be bashful. You're not going to have to play an instrument or anything. Okay, Anybody in a marching band? Okay. Was anybody in the service? I got any guys who were in the service? Okay. If you, were in the, if you were in the military or a marching band, I just need about five or six guys. Come on up here, right, right up here. Just line up across the front, okay? Just come on up, come on up. If you were in the marching band or a military service, okay, this will work, okay? So, uh, yeah, we can actually probably do this, uh, let's see. We'll do it up here so everybody sees, okay? So we're going to start back here, okay? I just want you to get in a single file line, right? Last is first, first is last. It doesn't matter, okay? Here's what I want you to see, okay? So we're going to walk in, we're going to, I want you to, uh, you're going to lead us, okay? Will that work? Okay. So everybody's got to stay in step. What's your name? Priscilla. With, with Priscilla? Priscilla. Priscilla, okay? So everybody's got to stay in step with Priscilla. So come on up a little bit here, Priscilla. And you're going to march right over there to that door, okay? So here we go. You ready? Okay. So you're going to lead us, Priscilla? Okay. So tell them you're going to lead them. Take off. Everybody's got to stay in step. Okay, ready? Here we go. Now, that's really amazing. They're walking in one another's steps. Did you see that? Okay, okay now turn around. Now, you're going to lead us this time, okay? Now, here's what I want you to watch, okay? You just start walking, okay? You guys with him? Okay. So here we go. Ready? One, two, three, go. Oh, stop. I don't know if you caught that, but I was watching people watch his foot. Did you see that? They're over here saying, uh, I just want to make sure I'm ready to go when his left foot goes. Right? You say, wow, that's a lot of attentiveness. That is what's needed right here, right here. That's why this process doesn't happen. We don't do this process very well because it requires a lot of focus to say patience, love, joy, peace, it requires a lot of focus right there. By the way, that is not in my power, but God has told me to take that step of faith, right? I got to take the step of faith and trust him to do the rest. So I'm watching, carefully, carefully watching. Now just lead him right out, lead him right on down, okay? Let's see if everybody's still in step. Look at that. That's amazing, okay? They're keeping in step with, all right? You see it? They can even make it down the steps keeping in step with, all right? That's your picture. 
Here's your picture. You have got to look and think of the steps you're taking with the Holy Spirit in that way, with that degree of focus, or you're never going to get it. You're never going to get it. So let me just apply that. Here's what it looks like. Okay? So here's the first one. Keeping in step with the Spirit, I'm just giving you several applications out of Galatians 5:22, the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. You won't be frustrated when your expectations aren't met. Choose patience, not anger. Okay? So the next time I walk home and I think I'm getting a kiss from my wife and the first thing she says is kids are upstairs, okay? That's not meeting my expectation. Okay? But what I'm going to do is choose patience instead. Here, 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 here. By the way, those steps of faith are important. By the way, you've got to have the scripture in there too, right? Um, sometimes when I've been going up the steps, I've been saying something like this. Um, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Sometimes when I'm dealing with my children, I'll actually stop. And they'll say, well, what are you doing, Dad? Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay? Sometimes when I'm walking in the flesh, it sounds like this. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay? So you can see, right? One's in the flesh, one's in the spirit. Right? The one in the spirit says, your expectations weren't met. Choose patience. Patience. Patience, patience. Don't choose, my expectations weren't met. My expectations weren't met. My expectations weren't met. See? So that's how you do it with that one. Let me give you another one. How about this one? Oh, let me show it to you real quickly. In the deeds of the flesh and the works of the spirit. See how we see enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger? This is what we're supposed to choose instead. Joy, patience, self-control. How about this one? You will seek others' needs, not your wants. Choose love, not pleasure. Everything over here is about your pleasure. Everything over here is about your sacrificial love, okay? your sacrificial love. By the way, we know that because 1 John 3, 16 says, by this we know love. Here comes God's definition. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. By the way, I had the perfect, as a pastor, you're always looking for perfect illustrations. I had the perfect picture of this yesterday okay? because before I came out here, we have a young man in our, he's not a young man, he's my age, in our church. And I'm sitting at lunch with him one day, and he says, uh, Phil, uh, God told me to give up, give up my kidney. Right? I said, what did God tell you? Okay. He said, God told me I'm supposed to give my kidney to Blaze. I said, who's Blaze? Right. He said, oh, Blaze is this guy from my old church. And, and uh, 20 years ago, he was diagnosed with some kidney failure, and he's been on dialysis for three years. Um, and I just ask him, you know, how's the situation coming? And his color's bad. And, and I started thinking as I was praying, I couldn't get away from the fact that maybe I could give him my kidney. So he went down to see if his kidney could be given. And he found out that he wasn't a match. So then I'm sitting at with him a week later at lunch. So I say, Bill, Bill, whatever happened to Blaze and the kidney? He said, well, I wasn't a match, but I got another idea. I said, what's the other idea? He said, I'm going to give my kidney anyhow. I said, what it doesn't match, he said. But what happens is if I'm willing to give my kidney, I will move Blaze to the top of the list for the very next person who comes in who matches him. Okay. There's 8,000 people, he said, in America waiting on kidney transplants. Blaze, even though he's been on dialysis for three years, he's not going to move to the top of the list until he's nearly near death. And when he's nearly near death, he may not make it because then he's waiting on a match. I got a chance. I can do something now. Right. I said, so... You're going to give your kidney, though, and then he gets this napkin out right in the subway, and he starts to draw the thing, and he says, I'm going to give my kidney to this guy. He's going to give his kidney here, and this guy's going to give his kidney here, and Blaze is going to get a kidney, right? Just like that. He's got the whole thing figured out. Right? So I meet Blaze for the first time yesterday. 
because uh, they're there. They're all there together because here's kind of how it works. You don't get a chance to say, I'm going to give him my kidney. So the next transplant, move him to the top of the list. And then uh, you give Blaze, somebody, Blaze gets his kidney and you say, I changed my mind. Okay? So they put my friend Bill on the table first. Okay? But they have a guy that walks in right up the street. He's a perfect match for Blaze. The only thing is Blaze is down here on the list, except Bill has bumped him to the top of the list. Because Bill's willing to choose love, not his pleasure. He's willing to see a brother in need and make a sacrifice. Here's what's fascinating to me. When I meet Bill, when I meet Blaze for the first time, 50-year-old man, kids at various levels of adulthood and younger, when I meet Blaze for the first time, he says, you know, Phil, um, Bill's already gone to the table, so Blaze and I are just talking. He says, uh, um, you know, uh, in my time of this process, 13 people have offered me kidneys. I said, really? Why didn't you get one? He said, because only Bill was willing to give up his kidney just so that I, even though it wouldn't become mine. Okay. Everybody else said it wasn't a match, sorry. Okay. Only Bill said, I got another idea. Okay. And it just struck me that that's what love looks like. Right? Love looks like I see a brother in need. I'll do whatever it takes to, to meet that need. I'll even let you take a pretty significant cut into my, into my side so that my kidney can be removed so that that can go to somebody else. Right? I, I was just marveling again at how God was extending life and circumstances. And the doctor said to Blaze, here's the thing you got to know. In 24 hours, you're going to feel better than you felt in 20 years. In 24 hours, even after surgery, you're going to feel energy like you've never felt before. And all I could think about was, in 24 hours, Bill is going to feel like he's never felt in 20 years. Okay, <laughs> That's right. Okay, he, And it, they were laughing. They were still kind of laughing about it because Bill's sitting on the table waiting to go in. And he says... He says, you know, they're starting to tell me there's a lot of pain. They didn't tell me that before. Okay? I said, that's interesting. They're, he said, they're telling me I'm going to feel like I was run over by a truck. You know, and he's still smiling. Right? He didn't change his attention or his focus still to do what God had asked him to do. Because love looks like this. My pleasure is over there. Um, I'm going to go over that way. But I'm not going to choose that. Why? Because I'm seeking another's needs, not my wants, I'm moving in the direction towards love. And that's what causes a guy to sit in a hospital tonight, minus one kidney, right? But having expressed love and still experiencing it with joy and all the things that are in the fruit of the Spirit listing. By the way, look at the contrast. Here you have it. The works of the flesh are sexual immorality, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, drunkenness, orgies. All that stuff's about us trying to find pleasure in a trash can. Here's what God says but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Right? We choose love, not pleasure, and we take that step by faith. Here's your last one. You won't react to another's responses. Okay? You won't react to another's responses. You will choose peace, not dissension. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. The deeds of the flesh are dissension. Okay? This is where you really get a chance to see if it's you doing it in the flesh or if it isn't. Because you start out intending to be patient, but all of a sudden they keep saying things at you. And suddenly you find that you're not doing it. You were trying to do it in your own strength, and you find yourself over here with dissension and division and enmity and strife and all of the stuff that's in the trash can. What you've got to say is, listen, by faith, I'll choose peace. Phil, they're still yelling at me. By faith, I'll choose peace. But Phil, they're saying really harsh, unkind things. By faith, I'll choose peace. But you don't know what it's like to have grown up 
with someone who says that to me all the time. By faith, I'll choose peace. Okay. As opposed to I will react to what was said to me. Just want to point this out again. These are steps of faith. We take them because the scripture says, I was crucified with Christ. It is therefore no longer I who live, but Jesus Christ who lives, by me, lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. All the way to actually exercising the fruit of the Spirit. It's not a mystical thing. It's a simple act of faith, not thinking we have the ability to do all of it, but simply taking the step. And that's how we see it. Walk by the Spirit, daily habits. Led by the Spirit, daily decisions. Live by the Spirit, daily dependence. Keep in step with the Spirit, daily attentiveness. And there you make your choice, by God's grace, to choose the fruit of the Spirit as opposed to the deeds of the flesh. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together tonight. It's a delight, Lord, to share uh, with folks in another part of uh, our country um, what I've had the privilege of sharing with people um, in New Jersey. And it's also a reminder, Lord, how helpful this is and how necessary. Lord, we are all people who have struggled with sin and have habits in that perspective, and we have a tendency to find ourselves back in the trash can that we said we'd never go to again. Lord, help us walk by faith. Help us walk in the Spirit, taking those small steps towards love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, because against such things there is no law, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name.